are listening to Pharmacy IT and Me, your informatics pharmacist podcast. Hey everyone, this is Tony with the Pharmacy IT Me podcast, and on today's episode, we're going to be speaking with Dr. Nicholas Bacon on his role in pharmacy informatics and technology. So thank you so much for being on the podcast today. How are you doing, Nick? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Tony. It's a real pleasure to be on the podcast with you today. Yeah, yeah, of course. And I'm really excited to, to speak with you because uh, you're actually fairly newer into uh, the informatics side, and I really want to hear about your journey. So um, that's going to be really fun to talk about today. And I want to ask you, just before we get started into that, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Sure. Um, so I'm originally from Buffalo, New York, and I currently live in Miami, Florida. So it's a bit of a change. But uh, after graduation, uh, I did go down to Miami to do a PGY-1 at the Miami VA. And I decided to kind of stay put and set down some roots here. Um, I currently work in a cancer institute. And as you mentioned, I recently became uh, an informatics pharmacist. And, and I think we can get to this in a little bit, but I do kind of have a, a winding road that led me there. Awesome, awesome. So I, I guess like before we get into like the details about um you know, you and your residency and you doing like an informatics uh pivot kind of like just before all of that, like why did you even decide on pharmacy itself as a career path? So the reason that I decided to become a pharmacist is mainly because of my mom. My mom at the time was a nurse working in a long term care facility and she had a lot of experience with some great pharmacists that came and consulted on her patients. And she thought that it would be a good fit for me. Uh, upon that recommendation, I did seek out an opportunity as a technician at a retail pharmacy. And, you know, luckily, luckily enough, I was able to get that position in my hometown. And I'm from a relatively small suburb. So I actually knew the majority of the patients as well as the pharmacists. And I had that hometown feel. Um, and I really enjoyed that. So I thought that pursuing pharmacy was going to be a great opportunity for me. That's awesome. So when you went into pharmacy school, did you know what kind of things pharmacists did? Actually, the only thing I knew pharmacists did was in long-term care and in the retail setting. I really didn't know about all of the, the specialties that were available to pharmacists. So it was very eye-opening when I got into pharmacy school and started to learn about everything that we were capable of doing. So, so I know that you did a PGY-1 residency, and I guess like at what point in your career did you realize that that's what you wanted to do to get further training? So I made that decision in my P3 year, my third year of pharmacy school. And to be truthful, the main reason that I was interested in doing a residency is because I was changing uh, my location. I knew that I had wanted to move to South Florida. And I felt that that was going to be a great way for me to transition from the small pharmacy network that I knew to a different one. In addition, uh, although I had excellent uh, pharmacy education, I can say that looking back now, I didn't feel quite as confident in my abilities. And I really wanted to have that opportunity to get some more um, mentoring and to grow comfortable in my skills. And I knew that at that point, doing a, a residency was going to be the best fit for me. Awesome. And, you know, we're talking about like informatics today. So I was curious about your residency program for your PGY-1. I know that's more of a general residency. Did you get any kind of exposure to like the technology configurations and the informatics side of pharmacy? I actually did not. I hadn't really thought much about 
the informatics side of things earlier in my career, I was mostly focused on becoming a clinical specialist. Oh, I see. Okay. So then after your residency, uh, what did you do like in between, like after your residency and then your current role today? So I kind of bounced around through several different positions. Uh, I worked as an outpatient pharmacist doing prescription verification as, as part of the VA healthcare system. And I did that for several months before transitioning into an inpatient role where I focused mainly on um, doing transitions of care or discharge counseling for the patients. After that, I moved into an inpatient role at a small community hospital where I kind of did a little bit of everything. I would rotate through the internal medicine floors, through the ICU, the emergency department, and I did that for several years until an opportunity presented itself for me to move over to the cancer center that had just opened up. Uh, seeing that opportunity, I moved into oncology, and I did that for about a year before the opportunity to move into my current role uh, became available. I see. So that's that's an interesting transition. I, I'm actually curious about like how did that opportunity present itself just moving from your regular role into an oncology uh, specialty role? So I have to say that it was kind of a lucky opportunity for me. The fact that the the cancer center was within the same healthcare system that I was currently working and they were a, a little bit short staffed, they needed pharmacists to kind of come in and help them with their operations. And what I was able to do was to do remote verification of IV preparations. So I was able to pick up some extra shifts and kind of get my feet wet um, in the oncology space with operations until I decided to take the next step and apply for a position that opened up. And since I had already spent some time working with the team, they were comfortable with me and willing to give me the opportunity. That's awesome. So I'm going to be asking a little bit more about your oncology role because that kind of delves into your informatics role. Um, so when you were an oncology pharmacist, uh, what kind of things did you learn as an oncology pharmacist that really helped you with like on the informatics side for like building things? So the thing that I focused on that really helped me in the informatics space is the treatment protocols. So being familiar with the treatment plans from you know, the pre-medications through the treatment, post-medications, monitoring, and all of that, understanding kind of like the various roadmaps that we use to treat our patients, because that is essentially the template that we use to build uh, within our EHR. So that helped me significantly when considering um, the things that I do on a regular basis. Awesome, awesome. So, so now we go into your informatics role, and it's it's really interesting because it's like a specialty of a specialty. So it's like your informatics is already like you know kind of a specialty, but now you're also doing oncology within informatics, which of course oncology is its own beast because like I I spend half my time in it, and it's like so there's so many things going on, and um you know like how do you manage to like gain all that knowledge when you were like switching over to your informatics pharmacist role specifically for oncology EHR? So I have to be honest, I have a very unique niche with my role being sort of a little bit more on the clinical operations side of things. We do have a corporate informatics team that assists with a lot of the more technical aspects of things. So for me, what I had to do in order to switch gears was really focus more on project management 
and developing relationships with that corporate informatics team, as well as the various other informatics teams that we have. We have medical informatics and nursing informatics that are heavily involved in a lot of the projects that we have going on. So for me, I didn't, I don't do a lot of the the technical build. I'll do a lot of the validations as more of a subject matter expert. Uh, And I have to say, my role has become more about being that liaison between the clinical oncology team and our technical teams and making sure that I can bridge that gap so that the clinical needs are met and that they understand the limitations from a technical perspective. I see. I see. So, so you did mention too about like project management and I guess, um, you know, your role as a liaison plus like, um, focusing on managing the projects, like what's a typical day like for you? So each of my days is going to be a little bit different depending on, on which meetings I have scheduled for the day. So I depend heavily on other teams to actually execute on things. Um, so I find myself constantly meeting with uh, the other IT teams and subject matter experts just to kind of get a feel for um, the day-to-day, the pain points, things that are going on that can be improved. And I usually will try and, and set aside some time to focus on doing you know validations and stuff like that and testing. But really, it all depends on kind of the projects and the priorities that are set by um, my management team. And that's another thing that's kind of interesting is that I don't have a very rigid reporting structure uh, where I work. Uh, again, I'm not part of our, our corporate informatics team. And I do report to various different um, clinical supervisors. So a lot of what I do depends on their needs. And I can be pulled in a lot of different directions. In addition, I do support the, the operations and I, I act sort of as a lifeline for the pharmacists that are working in the pharmacy. If anything comes up, any issues with the automated dispensing cabinets or with the IV prep software. So I also kind of take those things on on a regular, uh, a regular basis. Yeah, the reporting structure for informatics pharmacists is always different and a little bit like confusing sometimes. And um, I mean, I, I struggle with this and I'm curious about you, like when when things come across and you do have several people to report to, how does your prioritization work? That's a great question. And really what it comes down to is open open lines of communication. So what I try to do is engage the the various stakeholders so that I can get a better understanding of timelines to know when I need to provide deliverables. And, you know, if I need to reorganize some of my meetings or cancel things, I just try to be as open as possible when doing so, so that people kind of understand the the various different things that I'm working on. One thing that I've found is that because I report to so many people, they don't always know what the other is asking of me. So it's really uh, inherent upon myself to make sure that they are aware of all of the different things that I'm working on so that they understand. And that's sort of how I've been able to manage things so far. I see. I see. And do you, do you use like um, a ticketing system? Like for us, we do and we use ServiceNow, but I'm wondering like for you, do you guys have a ticketing system that you use or is that kind of more like the technical team does that part? So the technical team does have a ticketing system that they use. I mostly I have a lot of verbal communication with my team. If it's an immediate need, they'll call me. Otherwise, they'll send me an email, and I try to keep track of everything in my own personal 
um, system. I use Microsoft To Do and Microsoft Teams for a lot of the things that I do. So I'm kind of separate from the technical team, but I try to keep it all organized and in one place. I don't want to use too many different systems so that it makes it easier for me to review all of my my responsibilities. I see. I see. Um, and then earlier, you did mention about, um, you know, keeping track of projects. So are you sometimes like like an unofficial project manager for some things or do you kind of work more on like understanding the the overarching goals and then working through the project with the team? Like how, how does that work? So I would say that many times I find myself in an unofficial project manager role where um, I have to hold others accountable to the, the different things that they said they would do. We have a weekly meeting, in fact, where my department, the clinical team, is able to meet with the various informatics teams. And that's a meeting that I run myself and I keep track of all of the agenda items. And I have to make sure that everything that we discuss in that meeting gets recorded and that people are following up on everything that they've been tasked to do. So I do find myself in kind of a project manager role there. And it's it's sort of interesting because the other teams that I work with don't report to me and they don't, um, I don't really have any authority over them. But over time, because I've been able to develop a good working relationship with them, they tend to be very responsive to the requests that my team has. And you did also mention about like validation. So when you're validating and testing, what are you looking for in terms of like the safety and in terms of like how this works for the operations? Are there particular things that you're always like keeping an eye out when you do your validation process? Great question, Tony. So when I'm validating a plan or doing those types of things, I always try to use references such as the NCCN templates or any sort of guidelines for dosing. And I want to make sure that when I'm going through the plan that it matches. I also compare it to the submission documents. So we have a process where our clinical team provides it in the form of a paper order and it gets then built by the technical team. And that serves two purposes so that the technical team has something to build from. But in the case of a downtime, we also have those forms ready to go for providers to be able to order chemotherapy if needed. And I really just try to make sure that the way that it was designed on the paper order is the way that it's built, keeping in mind the the nuances of the EHR and the limitations that it has, because we all know that you can design certain things on paper in one way, and it doesn't always translate 100% in the electronic space. Yeah, definitely. And actually, I was going to ask you about that um, to provide an example to the listeners, because oncology itself, like the whole workflow, it's completely different and more complicated because of safety measures uh, than the regular workflow. Like, for example, you know, when we place an order in Cerner, uh, it goes to the pharmacy side for verification. They verify it once, it falls on the batch, and then you prepare it and dispense it. Um, so just for the listeners to understand, can you describe operationally how that's different for oncology? Yeah. So it's kind of interesting because I work in an outpatient ambulatory space and it's very different than how things sort of work in the inpatient space in terms of the providers are entering orders for patients that you have present in the hospital and you work on those orders. You have all of the labs at your fingertips and everything is near real time. In the outpatient space, we try to do a lot of things in advance. The patients have appointments with their providers, they'll get blood work done, and this could be days before they come in for their appointment. And the way that the orders are entered, they're sort of entered into what we call a future state. 
So the orders are there on the patient's profile, but they're not yet active. And what our pharmacy team has to do is go and review those orders, manipulate them to select the products, make sure that the dosing is accurate, and document their interventions in the patient's chart in anticipation of that patient arriving. Once the patients arrive, our workflow dictates that the nurse is the one who activates those orders. And that point, they show up in a queue for the pharmacist to do a second verification. So that's one thing that's really important to note is part of oncology standards is that we have multiple verifications of those orders for safety reasons. After it's been second verified by a pharmacist, we then send it to our IV room so that our IV prep software can assist our technicians in preparing that dose. And we have a third pharmacist who's responsible for doing the verification of that preparation. At that point, we would then dispense the medication to the infusion floor for the nurses to do their verification. And our nurses do a dual verification process of their own um, before they can administer it to the patient. So we have a lot of checks, a lot of um, layers in our Swiss cheese model so that we can try and prevent as many errors as possible. Thank you for that summary. And I just wanted to add too, that it's also more complicated when there's reschedules being done. So when patients are, um, they change their appointment time or something like that. And, um, it just gets very complicated. Just, this is just for the listeners to understand that it gets very complicated. And then we need to have people like how, um, how Nick is working on the team uh, to make sure that these processes are very, uh, well validated and work with the EHR. So. So, yeah, I mean, do, do you do that a lot too, testing with the re- reschedule appointment times? So luckily, yes, I do. And I say luckily because our providers rely heavily on the pharmacy team in order to manipulate the plans in those instances, whether it's, you know, reducing the dose of a medication because the patient is having side effects or they have labs that are outside of metrics, or if it's to add something to the plan because of, you know, nausea and vomiting and our providers really do need that that added layer of assistance. So I've been able to work through various scenarios, um, such as changing days of treatment. Um, if the orders are unintentionally activated, you know, working through the process of getting those orders back into that future state that I described before. Um, so I do play a very active role in that, especially when testing new plans and seeing, you know, what could potentially go wrong in in those instances. Thanks for sharing that. And, you know, like, uh, I guess people out there, there, there's people that think about like doing informatics pharmacy, like becoming informatics pharmacist, and maybe they are oncology pharmacists right now, or they're doing a, I don't know, a residency in oncology and they want to get into that path of, uh, being an oncology informatics pharmacist. And you had a really unique path getting in there, but do you have any particular advice for these individuals who may or may not have had the informatics training? Yeah, I I definitely want to echo what a lot of your previous guests have mentioned and being the best possible clinical pharmacist that you can be first and keeping that in mind that even if you have the opportunity to be in an informatics role, you're always going to be that clinical pharmacist first. And we always have to keep patient safety in mind. So I would say really do a great job of focusing on that clinical content first, because if you transition into an informatics role in oncology, it's going to be expected that you use that clinical expertise in guiding the the team when you're doing oncology plan builds, because they're going to need someone who understands the technical aspects of the plan and can anticipate those problems and prevent them from occurring. 
I would definitely say be open to any sort of opportunities for project work and trying to put yourself out there. Um, the more you expose yourself to the more technical side of things, the more you open yourself up to opportunities and in getting onto an informatics team. I would say in oncology, it's really important that we have informatics pharmacists who have that that oncology expertise because it is so complicated and it is so high risk. And informatics pharmacists really do play a major role in patient safety. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that advice. And if anyone had additional questions or they wanted to reach out to you, maybe to learn about your day-to-day a little bit more, uh, what's the best way that they can reach out to you? The best way to reach out to me would be through my LinkedIn profile. I'm very active on LinkedIn and I tend to respond very quickly. So please reach out to me if you have any questions at all. Awesome. I'll be putting a link to your LinkedIn in our show notes. So if anyone wanted to reach out, you can easily access uh, the LinkedIn profile. But to be respectful of your time, thank you so much again for being on the podcast today. And uh, thanks for sharing all your advice and uh, insights. Thank you so much, Tony. All right. If you like our show, please share with your friends, or you can help us out by writing a review on Apple Podcasts or any of your other favorite podcasting services. You can also check us out on social media, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, and you can also reach out to me at Tony at PharmacyITME.com. If you want to network, you can check out the Pharmacist Select group at PharmacistConnect.com, which is P-H-A-R-M-A-C-I-S-T-S-C-O-N-N-E-C-T.com. There's different topic channels, including informatics, and I've met some great colleagues on there, and I look forward to connecting with you as well. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you on the next episode of Pharmacy. CIT and me. And remember, technology is a tool, patient care is the goal. Bye. Bye. Bye.